Oh, how he loves you and me. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And I am excited and delighted at what the Lord has to say to his people today. I'm going to begin with a word of prayer and want you to know that today I want to speak to you under the subject, the greatest catch ever, the greatest catch ever. Let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to be in the house of God this morning. Father, my prayer is simply that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight and encouraging to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I have an image on the screen here, and this is my grandmother. Uh, isn't she adorable? Yeah, my grandmother, uh, she lived to be 100 years, uh, 104 years old. Uh, we lost her last year, 2020. Uh, it wasn't COVID-19. Uh, I, I, she just was 104 years old. Uh, but she lived a very good life. She lived a, uh, a wonderful life. She was a small, short woman, but she had a lot of uh, uh, power uh, in her voice uh, and in her, her way of living, in her thinking. Uh, she was the mother of 14 children. I have 10 uncles uh, and four aunts. And uh, there's a lot of stories, a lot of amazing stories that I could tell you about my grandmother. Uh, one of those stories being her role in the civil rights movement in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, in fact, the city is a better place to live uh, because of my grandmother uh, and my grandfather as well. And so I'm honored to have them as my grandparents. Uh, but, but there are two things that I want to, uh, one thing more uh, relative to what we want to talk about here today uh, about my grandmother. The first is that my grandmother makes the best pound cake in the history of humanity. Okay, now you may have, you may, somebody here, may, you may uh, make some good pound cakes as well, but I've never tasted them. So I can't validate your pound cakes. But my grandmother, pound cake were, I mean, delicious, uh, I can't say that they were nutritious, but they were very delicious. All right. Uh, but, but the other thing about my grandmother that not only did I hear stories about, but I experienced for myself. All right. And that is my grandmother was a fisherman of fishermen. Or do you say fisherwoman? Is that a thing? She knew how to catch fish. All right. And there will be times where, you know, I would go fishing with my dad. And when my dad, when we go fishing together, uh, you know, we didn't catch a whole lot of fish, you know. Uh, and, and, and sometimes they even used to make up stories like there were fishing stories in my uh, in my family where they would brag about catching X amount of fish. But the thing about it is that they would be the only ones who went fishing. So you could never validate the story. But when it came to my grandmother, now she was fishing all the way up, up into her late 80s, early 90s. She would always, you know, she was still going fishing, still catching lots and lots and lots of fish. And she would come back with a cooler filled with fish. 
And I began to ask myself, like, Grandma, why is it different when I go fishing with my dad and we come back with barely anything and we go fishing with Grandma and she has a cooler full of fish? Like, what is the difference? And then I began to uh, observe. I began to pay attention. And I began to notice that when my dad went fishing, he would only have, this is a, a fishing pole here. Now, it's still open. That lets you know I haven't used it. But he, he used to, you know, it, it actually comes apart. You can take this apart. And then let me see if I can uh, take this apart here a little bit. There we go. Right. So he would take this apart. And as he took it apart, you know, you stick this inside of here and uh, it didn't work too well, which might be the reason why he didn't catch a whole lot of fish. Right. Look at it. I don't even know. I didn't I didn't pay I didn't pay much attention when my grandma was trying to teach, as you can see. <laughs> right. I just didn't have the patience for fishing for fishing. But I saw I, I know how it works, though. Right. I could tell you what I could tell you what to do. And so my dad, he would have these long poles. Right. And so with these long poles, you could only throw out. But so far. Right. You can't cast out into the deep. And so my grandmother, on the other hand, when she would go fishing, she had an actual what they call a fishing reel. So you throw it like, like, like it's all you can't see that. You can't see it up close. Good. I hope you can't because you don't, you, you'll be able to tell that I don't know what I'm doing. But, my, but I would see my grandmother and she would, she would put, you know, she would put uh, a certain kind of, a kind of hook on it and a certain kind of bait on it. And she would cast that thing out. And she didn't even have, like, I used to have to have the cork on it. You know how you had the little cork on it? And when the fish bite, it'll go down and then you, you, you yank and you pull. You know, I was, I was out there donating to the fish, right? You just kind of feeding the fish. Uh, kind of, I had a fishing ministry going on, right? The fish were excited to see when Pastor Tara showed up to fish, right? But my grandmother, she didn't even need to have the cork on it. It was just a feel that she had. And then yank, and next thing you know, one fish after another. Boom, one fish after another. She would also have, she, she, she had her, she had her supply. She had a cooler, right? She always had a cooler uh, uh, that she could put the fish inside of. My dad, he didn't have a cooler. He just would go out there. I guess he wasn't even expecting to catch anything. He didn't even have a cooler. She had a container, you know, she had all of her supplies, all of her fishing supplies inside that, 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 that she would, uh, you know, so if, if, if it get caught under the pier or under a rock or what have you, she'd cut the line and then tie back on. But she had everything prepared, right? And then, not only that, but she used to also carry with her uh, uh, a net, right? She used to carry with her a net, and the net was so that when you are struggling, to bring the fish in, right? When you're struggling, bring this is a fancy one right here, right? Kind of goes up and goes down. See that, right? So, so when, when, when you when you now you also have to have someone fishing with you. That was another one of her secrets, right? She never went fishing alone. So what happened was when the fish is coming in, somebody else go and get the net because if it's big and it's and they, they always you know doing this and they get out of the water, right? So you grab the fish and you put it in here and you bring it on top and you put it on over inside of your uh, your cooler, right? So my grandmother, she, 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 caught a lot, she caught a lot of fish because she was always prepared. She was always prepared. And so as I'm thinking about my grandmother and as I'm thinking about uh, uh, my, 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 my father and he, when he would go fishing and I saw that my grandmother always had the greatest catch ever. 
There was no comparison, right? She always came back with a lot of fish. And as I'm thinking about our text this morning, I began to say to myself, just as my grandmother shared many lessons with us about how to be a great fisherman, about how to get the greatest catch that you can ever get, I began to think about these disciples and I began to ask myself the question, or rather I began to say to myself that I'm sure that they can teach us something about how to have the greatest catch ever because the story that we that was just so read so eloquently is a story of the greatest catch ever as a matter of fact when you look in scripture this is the greatest catch that the disciples had ever had all the fishing experience all the fishing journeys that they went on we get a chance to see the one where they had the greatest catch ever and as I began to think about that you know I began to th- this is on my mind heavy because Harbor of Hope your 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 uh, your partners in ministry just down the street we are going into a summer of full all-out evangelism and we are preparing for the greatest catch ever and so this story is hitting home to me. This story is, is making a lot of sense to me. And not only is it a story about being successful at evangelism or being successful at fishing, this story can be, can be applied, the principles can be applied to any aspect of your life where you are trying to be successful. And so I begin to ask the question, based on the text, what are or what is the secret? What is the secret? Oh, let me go back here. What is the secret to having the greatest catch? Now, the, the great, a great catch is defined right here in the text as such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, right? So we're talking about overwhelming success. We're talking about something that is just, is, 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 uh, uh, is, is almost uh, overwhelming, is, is, uh, uh, unbearable to the point where you need some help, right? We're talking about having an influx of souls being added to the kingdom that is beyond our capacity even to maintain. Those are the kind of blessings that I believe God wants for his people. I believe God wants us to have good, what I call good problems. A good problem is when you've got so many people in the church, so many people come to the Lord that you have to have two or three services. You've got so many people that, there no, that, 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 that there's not enough room in the house to the point now where you got to blow a wall out of the building and extend for some more building. Those are the kinds of blessings that I believe God wants to have, uh, wants to give to his people. And so as we're looking at this great catch here, uh, I, I began to ask myself the question about the lessons that the church can learn from this particular story as to what is the secret to having the greatest catch ever. And I want to tell you today three things I want to share with you about having the greatest catch ever. And the first one is it takes hard work and diligence. It takes hard work and diligence. In fact, it takes hard work and diligence to achieve anything. When you decided that you wanted to go to college and you showed up and they start having uh, uh, test after test and books that you had to read and there was a whole lot of work that had to go into you actually getting your college education. If you want to have a successful marriage, guess what? That successful marriage requires hard work and diligence. If you want to have a beach body for the summer, guess what? You can stand in the mirror all day long and pray for those muscles to start popping out, but it's not going to happen. Without hard work 
and diligence. You can pray to be debt free. You can pray for financial freedom. But guess what? It's not going to happen unless you put in hard work and diligence. You can pray to the Lord all day long. God, send us souls. God, bless us. Lord, grow the church. But you have to still cast out the net. So it takes hard work and diligence. It takes hard work and diligence. And hard work and diligence is, a, is really a, a core American value. It's something that America believes in. You got to work hard to achieve the American dream. You got to work hard. You can't just uh, sit around and wait for somebody to hand you something. As a matter of fact, the wisest man to ever live, he told us, he said, look at the ant you sluggard. You cannot expect to eat anything if you look at the ant, the ant will show you that you have to prepare, you have to work hard for what it is that you want. But I stopped by to tell you something today about hard work. Hard work and diligence has limitations. Hard work and diligence has limitations. Well, why do you say that? It's in the text. Watch this. Peter said, We worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. We've been out here, we've been working, we've been slaving, we've been, we, I'm, I'm talking about, we've been out here for, for, from, from, uh, 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 from sunset to sunrise, we've been out here, Jesus, and we've been working and we have not caught anything. Does anybody, can anybody feel what they're saying? Have you ever been working hard at something, but it just doesn't seem to be making any progress? You've been at work all day long. You've been busy, but haven't accomplished anything. Have you been working on trying to uh, lead your children in the way of the Lord? You've been praying for them. You've been working. You've been setting up a schedule for them. You've been giving them Bible studies. You've been praying. You've been doing a lot of different things. You've been working hard in school, uh, working hard on your job, uh, working hard on your marriage. But the reason why they had worked hard all day long but hadn't caught anything is because they were working without Jesus. I want to read to you. During that sad night, Desire of Ages, chapter 25, page 249. During that sad night on the lake, when they were separated from Christ, the disciples were pressed hard by unbelief and weary with fruitless toil. But his presence kindled their faith and brought them joy and success. So it is with us. Apart from Christ, our work is fruitless. And it is easy to distrust and murmur. But when Jesus is near and we labor under his direction, we rejoice in the evidence of his power. It is Satan's work to discourage the soul, but it is Jesus' work to inspire with faith and hope. I, I stopped by to tell somebody today, you can work on your marriage, but if you're doing it apart from Christ, it's not going to grow. You can work on your business, but if you're doing it apart from Jesus, it's not going to be successful. You can work on any aspect of your life, but without Jesus, it will be fruitless. What are you working on? But it's not making progress. 
What are you spending? The, what, what, what are you burning the midnight oil for? But gaining no success. It just might be because you're trying to do it without Jesus. Hard work and diligence is key. It's key to having your greatest catch ever. It's key to having success at whatever you're trying to accomplish. It's key, but hard work has its limitations, which is why, beloved, which is why not only must you work hard, but you have to add faithful obedience to your hard work and diligence. Faithful obedience to hard work and and diligence. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, right here in the text, it says, watch this. It says, when he had finished speaking, Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, now, now they didn't necessarily have these kind of nets right here. Like this is the 2021 kind, right? They had the first century kind. Right. They didn't, it, it was it was it was much bigger. It, it was they only went fishing with a net, just this large net. And you just sling it out there and then you p- pulling it in and you're hoping for some fish to come every single time. Right. And so what they did was they went out to do what Jesus said. Listen, I want you to I want you to go out a little bit further. I want you to go out into the deep and then I want you to cast out the net. Watch this. He said, I want you to go out into the deep and I want you to uh, let down the nets for a catch. And what did Peter do? Peter made the right decision. And Peter was obedient. But in the midst of this, watch this now, Peter had to make a choice. Just like you and I have to make a choice every time God tells us to do something. Peter, in this instance, had to choose obedience over logic. How so? Well, you see, Peter being a master fisherman, the master fisherman that he was, and the rest of his gang there, they were fishing at night because in the lake of Gennesaret, or which is the same as the Sea of Galilee, The water was clear. And during the day, the fish were smart enough. They saw the net and knew not to go there. So at nighttime is the most logical time to fish. You're going to get it in a minute. Jesus said, it's daytime now. Jesus says, I want, you to, I want you to pull out, put out a little further, and I want you to cast the net for a catch. The very fact that Jesus said, for a catch, guaranteed that something will be caught. Why? Because anytime God speaks a word, the word has to come to pass Because of the power of God's word, he is not a man that he should lie. So he cannot say something and it not come to pass. So Peter decided to disregard his logical thinking 
and he cast down the net. And the result was a great catch. Stop by to tell somebody this morning, don't let your logical conclusions limit you from receiving miracles from God. I know it doesn't make logical sense, but obey it anyway. But God, oh my God, 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 he, I, I just know that, 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 that he is Mr. Right for me. He's tall, God, he's handsome. He has a job, a good paying job. God, his house is paid off. Just because it seems right does not mean it's right. But God, she's beautiful. She's the woman of my dreams. I know everything looks good, but the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end thereof is destruction. It might not make logical sense for God. It, it might not make logical sense to you to do what God is calling you to do. It might not make light, logical sense to end the relationship. It might not make logical sense to dismiss the opportunity that looks so good. It might not make logical sense. But when the spirit of God is speaking to you and you know that it's a word from God, you know that he's prompting you to do it. I want to suggest to you today, brothers and sisters, that it is better to obey the Lord than to lean on your own understanding. We have to choose obedience over logic. Not only did Peter choose obedience over logic, but Peter chose, watch this, successful experience. He chose obedience over successful experience. And this is a hard one right here because oftentimes, you know, here, here's what Peter could have done. Now, we have a whole lot of things to, you know, uh, beat the disciples up over. And, you know, they, they've given us plenty of material to make fun of their lack of faith. Right. But we, we do the same thing. But we, we, we've got to give the brothers some credit right here. Right. We've got to give them some, some credit right here because Peter could have said Jesus, listen, man, I've been, I've, been, I've been fishing since I was a kid. I grew up around the Sea of Galilee, Jesus. I took fishing 101, fishing 102, fishing 103, fishing 404. As a matter of fact, Jesus, not only did I take those classes, but I taught the class. Jesus, I've had successful experience in doing it this way. And so I'm going to rely on my successful experience and how I've done things in the past because the past time it worked. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to rely on that and I'm not going to do what you told me to do. And that's some of us in this place today. We place more faith, we place more uh, confidence in the, in the success that we've had in the past and doing things a certain way in the past rather than the present word that Jesus is speaking to us today. And I want to encourage you today, brothers and sisters, that sometimes just because the way that you did it in the past worked, God is not stuck to your past. He's not stuck to my past. He is the God of today. And the word that he gives you today is the present truth for your life today. 
So what is God calling you to do today? What word has he given you? What word have you been wrestling with in your prayer time? What, what, what word, what, what, what command, what, what, what command to cast out? What, what has God told you to cast out, but you're struggling with it because the way that you did it in the past was not what he's trying to tell you to do right now. Be like Peter and choose obedience over your successful experience. And you'll experience the greatest catch ever. So we want to be, we want to be, we want to be, uh, uh, we, we want to have hard work and diligence. Amen, somebody, right? We want to have, but, but, but we have to add, we have to add faithful obedience to hard work and diligence. And, and, and last but not least, last but not least, here's what you have to do as well. Here's, here's, here's something that my grandmother taught me. And here's something that I see here in the text. When you, when you're going for the greatest catch ever, when you're trying to catch some fish like, uh, uh my grandmother, when you're trying to, uh, uh be successful at whatever it is that you're trying to do. Uh, you have to get to a place where you call for help from partners. You gotta, some, sometimes you got to call for help. Sometimes you have to, you have, and, and see, the, 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 there's a challenge, there's a difficulty for some of us in, in humbling ourselves to ask for help. Some of us would rather die then ask for help. There are some students, there are some students you're still around campus right now and you may be struggling uh, to keep food in the refrigerator. Ask for help. Ask for help. I'm so glad that when, my, when, when our house burned down and we were homeless and didn't have any place to live that my mother wasn't afraid to ask for help. And we got a phone call and they said, listen, uh, Trudy, uh, you guys can come and live with us. I stayed with this family for, for two years, rent free. Amen, somebody. And they happen to be Seventh-day Adventist Christians and that's how I learned about Jesus. I'm so glad that my mama wasn't afraid to ask for help. Somebody in the house of God today, you need to ask for help. You need to call on your partners. You need to, you, you need to pick up the phone. Or you, need, you, you, you need to uh, email somebody for help. Don't let your pride keep you from getting the help that God is trying to send you. Simon, in this instance, in this situation, he called out for help. He, he, he called out for help because there is an overflow. There is an overflow that's happening in that situation. Uh, uh, when I think about, when I think about what's going on right now in my community, uh, I was at a meeting on last night. I was at a meeting on last night and in this meeting there were several uh, uh, Michigan state troopers uh, who were present and there were uh, uh, some, some, some uh, police officers from the Benton Harbor uh, police force as well. And the reason for this meeting is because last summer, 2020, we had a, a, an uptick in violence in the community, a uh, very unfortunate situation, young people uh, taking their lives or, or young people shooting at other young people and just a bad situation that was occurring and the part the, the Department of police officers in, 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 in Benton Harbor, they recognize, listen, we need some help. We need some help. And so the state has sent in more police officers 
to, uh, uh, more state troopers rather, to help patrol the area so that we can, we can prevent an uptick like we had last summer. The police force was smart enough to realize, man, listen, we cannot do this ourselves. Uh, we need help. And this is what the Bible says. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. There's wisdom in asking for help. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, listen, to be, to be a human being is to ask for help. To be a human being is to, you know, when God said it's not good for man to be alone, some of us, because we've been single for so long, we just stuck on, that means I got to get married. That's my, that's my proof right there. Amen. I need a wife. I need a husband. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Right. And so we get anxious about getting married. But this is not simply a statement about companionship, uh, about trying to get married. But but this is a statement about what it means to be human. This is why this is why solitary confinement does so much internal damage to the minds of those who are incarcerated. I have a I have a cousin who's been incarcerated for the last 15 years. Uh, he was he spent he spent uh, about eight of those years on death row in a cell in a in a in a prison cell for 24 hours in a day by himself. That's inhumane. It's also inhumane for you to need help and not ask. You are denying what it means to be a human when you, when you cut off the possible help that God is trying to send you. They call for help. They call for help. Why? Here's why they call for help. They signal, uh, uh, so they, they signal their partners in the other boat to come and, 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 and help them. They were calling on their partners. They were calling on their partners. And here today, just as the Ben Harbor City Police Department was smart enough and wise enough to say, hey, listen, we need some help for what is, uh, uh, what, what could happen in this community that we're trying to prevent. I stopped by today as your partner in Ben Harbor in ministry to tell you, listen, we need some help. We need some help because we are preparing for the greatest catch ever. We need some help because we are preparing to see young men and women, boys and girls, come to Jesus at a rate that we have never attempted before. This is a call for help. What do you need help with, Pastor? Well, first of all, I need you to partner with me in prayer. Please pray for me. Pray for me as I prepare the sermons that we're going to preach during this evangelistic meeting taking place in July of this summer. I need you to pray for me because I need your help with not getting distracted in doing the work for Jesus that I don't spend enough time with Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. Listen, I have, I have, see, my grandmother uh, uh, she, she, and my grandfather, uh, they passed down not only good fishing uh, 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 abilities, uh, but they also passed down a, a, a work ethic to the point where, I, if I could just be honest with you, I have the spirit of Martha more than Mary. For those of you who don't know Martha or Mary, I want you to understand that I would rather be working than praying. I'm just telling you my makeup. I'm telling you what's in my DNA. I'm telling you what, how, how I operate. I would rather, I, I would rather not be praying about a thing. I'd rather be trying to work it out. 
And so what my prayer is, I'm looking for some prayer partners who will say, Pastor Torres, we're going to pray for you, that God will give you a spirit of Mary, that God would have you to desire to be in his presence, that you would love spending time working things out in your prayer closet just as much as you do working things out in ministry and doing the work of God. Does anybody else need that prayer in their life? You want to get to a place where you say, God, not only do I want to roll up my sleeves and have hard work and diligence and executing and doing the things that you call me to do, but God, I need a dependence on you. I need a trust in you. I need to labor in my prayer closet so that when I do go do the work, oh, help me, Jesus. Watch this, saints of God. When, 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 when they work all night by themselves, they call nothing, but in the moment... In the one moment when Jesus said, push out a little bit, put the net down for a catch, just like that. Have you ever been there before? Like I've had days where I am as busy as I don't know what. So busy. In fact, get up later than I planned on getting up because I went to bed later than I planned on going to bed. Oh, man, I got to get this thing done. Jump up. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Bless me as I go throughout the day. Jesus' night, amen. <laughs> and I'm talking about working hard all day long. Look back, man, what, what did I do today? Don't feel like nothing was accomplished. But those mornings where I get up and I'm not in a hurry, I'm just in the presence of God. I'm in the word. I'm praying. I look up, an hour go by, an hour and a half go by. Amen. Praise God, Lord. Please bless me as I go throughout the course of this day. I consecrate myself to you, Lord God. My schedule to you is yours to be carried out or given up as your providence shall indicate. Lead me, God. And by the end of the day, just feel comfortable. We just had an amazing day. I probably did two or three things. But it just felt so great. Why? Because the presence of God was so evident with me throughout the day. So I need you to pray for me and pray for us that God would do a great thing, that God would do a mighty thing, that God would lead us to the greatest catch that we have ever had at Harbor of Hope. The second thing I'm asking you to partner with us on is I'm praying, for, I'm, I'm asking you to partner with us on in laboring together. Yeah, in laboring together, uh, uh, th th there's a text that I was reminded of just uh, about a week or so ago uh, when we were we were uh, having a Zoom prayer line and Pastor Dwight uh, shared something. He said, you know, uh, the scripture that says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord that the Lord of the harvest will send forth more laborers. The prayer is not for more souls. We could be praying the wrong prayer. Lord, please give us more souls. We need to pray that prayer. But in this instance, Jesus says, oh, the souls are ready. There are fish ready to jump in the net. But there are not any fishermen. There aren't enough fishermen who are out in the deep to receive the fish. 
So maybe, maybe somebody here right now, maybe somebody here right now, uh, uh, you, you, you're saying, Pastor, I want to I wanna get engaged. I, wanna, I feel like God is leading me to get more involved. I want to roll up my sleeves. I want to go into the front lines of ministry. I, wanna, I want some bullets to fly past my head. You know, the people who get the bullets flying past their head, they have the greatest testimonies. <laughs> There's nothing like being on the front lines in the battlefield. And maybe God is calling someone there right now. Someone who loves, part, someone who loves uh, working with young people. You love working with children. This is a, a community outreach that we did where we're teaching kids how uh, to, to make uh, this smoothie. And uh, one of them was teaching kids how to make some healthy uh, uh, ranch dressing. It was delicious too. I put it in my popcorn while we had some popcorn out there. It was delicious. Maybe that's your ministry. Right. Maybe may, maybe you enjoy uh, working with young people and, and, and showing them uh, the things, uh, 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 you know, skills about life. Uh, but, but, but you're starting with with, with with a game. Maybe you like basketball. Maybe you don't like basketball, but maybe you love uh, teaching uh, somebody how to, you know, uh, change a tire or, or change the oil or whatever the case may be. Whatever skill you have, I want you to know that there's a place for you to serve. Maybe you love uh, just enjoying children and, and building relationship with them and, uh, and, and you see the value in spending time with them and leading them uh, to Jesus. Uh, uh, maybe you want to educate them and teach them the importance of education. This is a game that some of our team just came up with, created kind of like an educational version of Jeopardy here. We're looking for partners. We're looking for partners. People who will say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm going to start coming to Harbor of Hope. I just want to borrow you for about a year. That's all. You can come back later. We're looking, you're laughing. I'm for real. Right? We're looking for partners. We're looking for people who are willing to, to roll up the sleeve. People who want to who give Bible studies. People who want to share the gospel. We're looking for partners. We're looking for partners. I'm calling on partners not only to pray for us, not only to come out and work and be a laborer, but I'm also calling to see if there's somebody who's willing to partner through giving. Listen, I'll tell you this because this is a real need that we have. Uh, there is, there is a, 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 what I call the Navy SEAL of Bible workers. Uh, you know, Navy, Navy SEAL fishermen, these are Bible workers. People who, this is what they specialize in. It's all they do. Right. And so we're bringing in five of these Bible workers and it costs us about fifty thousand dollars. And so far, uh, our little uh, what, what we could manage, we came up with uh, we raised ten thousand dollars to help make this happen. And we're in need of another forty thousand dollars. And so my prayer is that somebody being touched by the spirit of God uh, feels called to partner with us through giving to help make this possible. And here's what it leads to. I'm wrapping up now. Here's what it leads to. Here's what it leads to. What it leads to, brothers and sisters, is uh, when they call for their partners for help, right? Watch this. The Bible says, the Bible says they experience shared success. Notice what it says here. They filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I'm just wondering, is there anybody who want to sink with me? Not die. They didn't die. But you want to sink. 
You want to you experience this overflow. You want to experience the greatest catch ever. You want to experience the joy of the Lord in leading lost people to Jesus. You want to experience something that maybe you've never experienced before. Can I ask you a question? I'm trying to close. Can I ask you a question real quick? Here's the question. The question is this. Can you call someone a barber if they never cut any hair? Is that possible? Is, is someone really a barber, but they've never cut hair? Is someone really a baker if they've never baked anything? It don't even make sense, right? Can you call someone a fisherman if they've never been fishing? Can you call someone a disciple if they've never made a disciple? I don't know. You, you, you got stuck right there. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I believe that the greatest experience on earth is leading a lost person to Jesus. Nothing beats it. Why? Because it has eternal implications. Here's the end result. The end result, watch this, the Bible says, so they pulled their boats after this experience, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed Jesus. The greatest catch ever is when God captures your heart. Prior to this, they were on the bank, in the river, on the bank, in the river. But this moment, when they had the greatest catch of their lives, they left it and followed Jesus. Why? Because he had fully captured their hearts. Has he captured yours today? Has Jesus captured your heart? Is he calling you to leave something and follow him? Let him capture your heart today.